Welcome to Unboxing Spiel Part 3 Player Value. So computer game development, who knew, right? It's come full circle. Adaptations of board games, right? This was a stand, I'm still at Spiel here. This was a stand where they're demoing games that started as board games and then made the way to digital. And uh, that's quite popular on the Nintendo Switch more than other platforms, it seems. Hearts of Iron is a game, a, a digital game made by Paradox Interactive, but the board game is published by Eagle Griffin. Paradox tend to adapt existing board games. Eagle Griffin have loads of games that are that, that have a, a digital version and a cardboard version. This is Minecraft, the board game, right? And, and it's really popular. I think the image of, of who plays games, I, I think we're long past the idea of it being for 14-year-old males. I saw retirees sitting down to play games with people, with, with, with families and people this age, and, and they were attending by themselves. Like, uh, that's Germany, though. Like, uh, like, it's perfectly normal for everybody to play board games in Germany. It's, like, it's, it's really... Like, it's just a really popular pastime. I was going to say, um, it is a German thing. Certainly, Germans would say themselves that everybody plays board games around the table. But of course, you know, other countries, people will say the same thing. But it is really ingrained in Germany. And yeah. I have to say, this is one industry where the center of gravity is in Germany and not in the US. Yeah. And actually, the, the market is, um, the, the, in the UK, believe it or not, they actually purchase more games, more board games than the Germans do. But the culture is definitely more saturated in, in Germany, I would say. Um, and, and if you look at a, 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 at a, an event this size, it just tells you everything you need to know. You know, I mean, like it's 100,000 more people than the next biggest uh, event, which I think was Gen Con in, in the US. This is the brochure that you get when you walk in the door, right? So they, they have a PDF of this available on their site every year and they update it every year. If you go halfway through this, you'll see what looks like a spreadsheet, sort of blue and yellow, right? And that's just a list of everybody who was exhibiting at it. So if you had uh, an idea and you thought there was a publisher that you might want to meet, every publisher who exhibited at Spiel is there. You can um, you can find their name there, look them up, and those are the... They, they don't have their email addresses or their websites, I think, unfortunately. They have their names, though. So you can go and look at the, the names of the of the exhibitors at the stands. Now, it is mostly in German, but you'll figure it out. I mean, it's just a list of names uh, in the left-hand column. And that's just basically a list of who's going to, who's likely to be there next year. I mean, all the publishers are going there year after year, you know. If if you're thinking of uh, that key word, you know, relevant, targeted emails, not every publisher is going to be right for you. You know, some of them only do cards. Some of them only do abstract games. Some of them only make things out of wood. Uh, some of them only do science fiction. You know, like it, it's um, so it would be up to you to research them and then narrow down that list into something more focused. This is Square Enix, um, who uh, you know they're a they're they're a small little uh, <laughs> <computer> <laughs> games company. I hope they do well. <laughs> uh, they're gigantic. They're known for Final Fantasy, and um, they've got they've got the the license for Lara Croft there, um, and, uh, and a load of other things as well. Um, so why does Square Enix uh, invest in board games when they're part of the one trillion dollar video game industry? Um, this is only what a three hundred million dollar business. Um, well, uh, 
because because they can. I mean, they're, they're, if it's it's profitable for them, you know, like why, why wouldn't they? Do you know? Like, and and also it gels with what they do. It's the same values, and it's it's a pipeline too, potentially. Yeah, and and it's it, it's I, I think I think a lot of their games though have um, like I think the well Final Fantasy is is uh, it's a role playing game, but a lot of a lot of their uh, the game mechanics that turn up in their digital games, um, which they're known for, um, inherit from tabletop gaming. You know, m- like there are certain games companies that do that, like um, strict turn based. Yeah, like, 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 like Bioware, for instance, who I, di- who I didn't see here, but like, like just for example, Bioware, uh, who make Mass Effect and Dragon Age and, and uh, other things like that. Like if you, if you look at the, uh, oh yeah, the Knights of the Old Republic, the Star Wars license that Bioware took. If you look at the, like the first Knights of the Old Republic game, like, and you call up a menu, you'll see references to dice in it. There's no, there's no dice present in the game, but like they have like, you, you know, you're, your scores are based on rolling a d6 there's no there's no six-sided die anywhere in that game you know but but the mechanics of dice rolling are embedded into the game so i think a lot of these companies like um they they have enough of uh, a tradition and an interest in this stuff that uh they they, they feel it's worth entering that market as well you know and that, and that they would do well in it so it's not it's not going to make as much money for them but it's going to make a lot of money um like they're they're certainly doing fine at it um and i, and I think they learn things from it as well you, i think you can also move a lot faster in in this i think that the um the, the if you have the resources especially like like a company like this would the the time it would take to turn around one of these games versus turning around the next Final Fantasy, the production costs are so much lower. And how, like, how much can you learn by testing out new new gameplay formats and like new new ideas for game mechanics and stuff like that that are easily digitized anyway? I mean, those are just guesses, but but I mean, I, I can see lots of reasons why I would do it if I was in their position. And for sure, the design um, cycle within uh, a vid, pure video game. Um, environment actually in a lot of cases includes these kind of 2d paper prototypes the rough yeah yeah Yeah, absolutely i mean they're they're just polishing that off then you know um yeah so the the idea of it you know being a a non-digital sector that that line is definitely a lot blurrier than it once was so so these are images of cards from magic the gathering right a collectible card game right so uh the, the you know, how, how do you increase the value? How do you, how do you maybe you know even give things away for free that add value to the game ultimately? Um, or how do you how do you think of of a single game as a business, right? So sell data, not assets, right? So if you're ex- thinking of expanding it, right, um, the 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 way to think of it is you're you're selling data, right? So every symbol, number, or piece of text in these collectible cards begins life as a cell in a spreadsheet, right? So there's the name of the card. That's column one. The cost of the card to bring it into play. These little symbols mean things. If you don't play magic, uh, just take my word for it. You know. So this is like how much it costs to play this game or to play this card. Um, the classification of, of, of the card. The written description with with some key rules written in there. Um, the strength of the card, the toughness of the card. Right. So those are all columns on a spreadsheet somewhere, right? So every card is a new row in that sheet, and that's easy to prototype, test, and produce. And the most expensive part of each of these is the illustration itself. So as you can imagine, 
these illustrations are a little time consuming. Some, somebody's got to sit down and make those, right? So they, they, they have a team of artists doing that for magic. Um, but um, but let's say, you know, otherwise it's very easy to prototype one of these once you've got once you've got that system in place of like how the, how the cards are laid out. You can see they've, they've all got the same layout and that's the important part, right? So once you've got, once you've figured out what the layout is in the context of the rules, now it's very easy to make a fourth card to add to these three. Um, and, you know, the rules then would allow the cards to connect in a variety of interesting ways, you know? So my strength beats your toughness or vice versa, or, you know, uh, these green lines, you know, that this bit of this card is helping this bit of this card and these bits are all backing these up and powering them up and defending them or whatever it is and the red lines are attacking you know so my card attacks your card or this bit of this card attacks this bit of this one up here and um and and you can you know re recontextualize them and rearrange them and deal them differently and it's a different game every time and 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 each new card increases the value of your old cards by giving them new meanings right so if i've added a new card to my deck that makes my the, the cards I already had in it better somehow, then I've I've added new meaning to that deck. I've I've got a better deck than you've got. Right? And, and a lot of these kind of collectible games play off that idea. You know that you're 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 building you're building a deck. Obviously, I've much simplified it here. I'd, I've taken all the, the, the rules of, of it out. But like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, Magic: The Gathering, they all play this way. I like what you've done. Is you paired. You're kind of showing us that the gloss is one thing. Yes. But the, underneath there, there's also the the mechanism, the the engine itself, prepared down to nothing. Well, here here you go. Like so, the the value is actually in the number of connections, not the number of the cards. So you can see there, like I've got six cards, but all the possible ways that they could connect, there are far more connections than there are cards, and that's where the value is. So that's why collectible card games account for as much as the whole rest of the of of that sector. And they're also the easiest thing to, to produce and to reprint and to, to update. Um, so that, that that's where that is. But but I would I would just leave that with you. You know, like if you're um, uh, I don't know if you're if you're doing any kind of prototyping projects, but um, but think about that. Like like uh, how to, how do I increase the value of of the assets on the table by by the connections between them. Um, if you can do that without having to manufacture another asset, well, that's fantastic, right? Because th- there's nothing cheaper than that. It, ca- it costs you absolutely nothing, and it's it's in the mind of the the customer, it's increased the value beyond what they paid for it. So that's what you want to do. Writing, right? So if you're a writer, there's creative writing, so writing role playing games, and uh, localization is a big one, of course. I mentioned that already. You know, like um, like the those guys at the prototyping table from Thailand would have done well to hire somebody to, to localize it rather than going to Google Translate. But uh, this is an interesting one, Tales from the Loop. I don't know if people are familiar with, with this IP, Tales, Tales from the Loop. So there's a, there's a role-playing game of this, and this, this came from an art book by a guy called Simon uh, Stellenhag, a Swedish guy, and he's, he, he, he's, he created this book a couple of years ago of just his illustrations it's this world that he's created and he just produced images. Um, somebody then teamed up with him and, and created the Tales from the Loop role-playing game. Simultaneously, the same thing was picked up, the same IP. This started off as illustrations, right? This is like just a guy making pictures for himself. 
but uh, uh, it's now an Amazon Prime series, right? So, um, like, I think that kind of a journey for for a, a piece of intellectual property is very unusual. Uh, but uh, but good luck to him. I think it's 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 great. Uh, I think. Then uh, there's ample opportunity for graphic design and illustration. I mean, that that really is something that that helps people stand out. Uh, there, there are a lot of examples I could have shown here, but this is this was my favorite by far. Uh, Laser Rocks is the manufacturer here, so they so Laser Rocks makes um, these wooden uh, like thin ply, I think, or it could be balsa wood. Uh, generally, work they work with flat flat pieces of wood, and they make custom boxes. So some of these games can get really elaborate, right? And people will collect them and add to them and expand them, and then you need somewhere to put that, right? So so. Uh, so really hardcore fans go in for this kind of thing, and they, 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 so they create these like laser etched um, boxes, and they're they're gorgeous, you know, like um, much nicer than a cardboard box. Uh, so you can see like this Star Wars graphics laser etched into this box, and it's uh, they've got these it's almost almost like Art Nouveau curves and things all, all over it, um, and um, uh, so they'll, they'll they'll make these custom boxes for you. But this guy. Um, uh, is a, a UK developer. He uh, uh, he created this game called Sumo Gnomes, G N O M E S, on um, on Kickstarter, and you can find his game there. So this is not this this was available to buy. He used laser rocks to to etch a log, to set the game on log, and he laser etched all these wooden dice as well. And you cannot walk past this without picking it up. It's I challenge anybody to to just walk past this and not want to touch this with your hands. It's a great uh, sort of example of how a Kickstarter campaign might have this sort of super high value stuff at the top end. It's yeah. essentially the same thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, like there, there's, a, there's a cardboard and plastic version of this and that's what most people would buy. But this catches your attention. And, and I noticed that like, you know, in, in storytelling, they say uh, show, don't tell. I, I think in, in, in board games, I'm, I'm going to say touch, don't look. Like if, if, if there's an opportunity to make something more tactile, take that opportunity. If, if it can be 3D printed or if it can be laser etched or something like that, and if you can afford to do it, it's, um, uh, it's definitely going to catch more attention. This was my favorite single piece that, 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 that I saw. And, and 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 he uh, was exhibiting at their stand at Laser Ox's stand. And he said they were a dream to deal with. He said he said he would happily partner with them anytime. And, and so they would be his manufacturer. You know, couldn't sing their praises enough actually. And then if you if you know anything about three D modeling, ZBrush is a is a particular skill that's in demand. It's something not many people. Uh, seem to have in this sector, relatively speaking. There's a, there's a lot of it there, but it's 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 a relatively small skill set that that has it. Um, so ZBrush modeling that takes you to 3D printing. This company was taking three. So th- th- this starts off as a digital 3D model, and this company had figured out how to print this in pewter. So they made trophies and coins and components for games. But these were their big showpieces. So this is about uh, how big was this? Probably about. 15, 20 centimeters tall, they're, they're able to make this. And then it, with the same skills, you know, those, those animated trailers, right? Uh, this company, Hexi Studio, makes animated trailers for, for other games companies. It's, it's worth actually going to their site and just having a look at their, their full trailer. You know, this, this was just their stand. I just happened to catch it walking past. 
but um, it's all that kind of thing and that, that really sells the game if you're going to Kickstarter route uh, that kind of a trailer really sells it much better because the camera isn't shaking nobody's thumb is sticking in over the, the information on the cards it, it, it just it reads a whole lot better it communicates a hell of a lot faster but uh, it's, it's, a, it's a skill set that not everybody has I guess it's worth maybe talking to some of my students in Ballyfermot about that because I, I teach lots of people how to do this stuff Thank you so much. As you you know yourself, there is so much more beneath this. Thank you for listening to Unboxing Spiel.